he created a fake office with a fake phone calls and, and set it all up. This wasn't really his office at all, meeting room, just to prove that he was really busy, that, that, that they had to sort of wait for him. Basically, these little things helped build his posture and his position, and um, people just stopped pushing him around. Nobody likes a, a walkover. People don't respond to leaders who are walkovers. No, imagine if William Wallace got up in front of his uh, his army of rebels, comes back from his little chat with Longshanks, he goes, hey, uh, guys, uh, you know, honestly, he gave me a bit of a hard word, and I think we should just go home. Sorry. <laughs> Awkward. Just don't look like a wet lettuce. Today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. It's really easy as a business owner to get pushed around in your dealings with other people, whether it's with your team, your clients, your debtors, your suppliers, or whoever you have to deal with. And you often feel like you have to do what the other person wants because they hold the power in lots of situations. Tune into this week's podcast where we talk through how to stop being pushed around and how to take the power back in six easy to action strategies. Howdy there, Tony Fraser-Jones, the host of the Profitable Trading Podcast, and uh, here with my sidekick, Phil Smith, COO of Profitable Trading, all-round good guy. All-round good guy. What is the good news today, mate? The good news, bought a caravan. Yeah. Hey. I don't know if I told you that, actually. Yeah. Tell me you were looking. Yeah, no, I bought one. That's the good news. Pretty stoked. Is it a, uh, a reno job? I'll, I'll do some touch-ups, but it's, um, it's not like broken down or anything. Should nice. be a good time. Yeah. Nice. Few like holidays. It. Yeah, it'd be nice. Alrighty. What are we talking about today, Chief? Mate, we're talking about how uh, in lots of situations in business and in life, um, you know, basically we can feel like we don't have a lot of choice around the decisions that we make. Uh, so, you know, in business, it could be a poorly performing team member who we've talked to about improving, but, you know, we need to get the work done. It could be visiting a potential new client, feeling like we're begging for work and they have all the say about whether they give us the job. It could be a client who demands that we get the job done tomorrow or the client who's a slow payer and keeps stringing us along. Uh, but in most of these situations, uh, we know what we'd like to do and what would be good for our business long term, uh, which is often to tell the person to get lost. Uh, but, you know, we don't, and we stay in a frustrating situation just because we feel like we don't have that much choice. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing. The lack of choice is another way of saying that uh, the other person in the relationship actually holds the power, and it means they have the whip hand, and we tend to, you know, to dance to their tune, which is pretty hard to take sometimes, even when you know it's, you know, not what you should do. It's not a nice feeling as well. You feel weak, you feel like, you know, like lots of things are a negotiation in business, and the person with the most power is the one who tends to win. And if we don't feel like we've got the power, we tend to come out on the losing side. So power is a huge part of, of every relationship. And it turns out that uh, when you understand the power dynamics that are work, you can actually change things and change the power balance in the relationship to, to put you in a better position. You can do things that will actually give you more power and stop you getting pushed around and actually help you get what you want. Yeah, sounds like a pretty good outcome. I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to want to stop being pushed around, and I'm sure you have a story to kick us off. I do. Uh, there's a fantastic book called Winning, Winning Through Intimidation. It's written by a chap called Robert Ringer, and he's a commercial uh, real estate agent in, uh, I think, the Midwest, is he? Yeah, well, I think, well, he moves around. He, he, all he operates all over America. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, he was sick and tired of uh, having people steal his commission by pushing him around. What did he call it? He's like stealing your chips. Stealing your chips. your chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he'd, he'd get a deal negotiated, and then, and then the buyers and the sellers would start negotiating on his commission. He was like, yeah, I feel like he was always getting robbed blind. Well, they're always trying to get better prices and things for each other. You know, sellers yep. trying to get more of the pie, and uh, buyers trying to get more of the pie. And essentially, easiest way to get that was to deprive him of any of the pie. That's right. <laughs> for That's organizing right. the deal. So there's a great story in his book where he talks about what he did to actually create a really powerful position for himself and a position of strength. 
And uh, it's quite funny. So what what it basically involved was him creating a fake office. It was up, you know, several floors on a on a skyscraper. He created a fake office with a fake phone calls and and set it all up. This was wasn't really his office at all. Meeting room. Uh, he'd have people come in to uh, say that he had a phone call during meetings, just to prove that he was really busy. That you know he was a person of influence, a person of power, and that there was actually limited availability. That he couldn't, you know, that that they had to sort of wait for him. Yeah, uh, which changed the power dynamic in the situation. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, he had lots of things he did. He um he changed the way he dressed. He got a bunch of legal help and um and contracts and things that were really big and thick and and uh, heavily Meaty. worded. You know, he he bought a private jet. He did, he did a whole lot of stuff. And like he didn't do it all at once, but essentially it was all part of creating a posture that was stronger, so that it was taken more seriously and more credibly. Uh, right down to you know the the buyer would turn up and they'd have their lawyer and the uh, the seller would turn up and they'd have their lawyer and he'd turn up as the real estate agent with his lawyer, which was uh, which is something that was just never done. But it was it was just something he's like, well, there's no rule against it and I can do it. And so basically, these little things helped build his posture and his position. And um, people just stopped pushing him around because he kept his he, chips. Yeah, he kept his chips basically because he had more credibility and he had more weight. Yeah, and so nothing had actually changed from the buyer and seller in terms of their, you know, their real relationship with him, but he'd changed the whole dynamic of the relationship by the way he presented himself and the way he acted and the way he went about things. Yeah. Uh, and we can do the same in our business as well. Yeah, and the the last thing I think that, that Robert Ringer did really well, which I think is just really cool, is he made himself some non-negotiable things that he was going to stick to and then actually stuck to them. So... He decided, I'm just not going to give away my chips ever for anything. And I'm willing to you know, blow a deal up if I'm not going to be part of it, if they're going to try to cut me out of it, because I set it up. So he got all the backing, and you know, there was times when he walked away from deals and blew it up, and you know, the buyer and seller are saying, surely you're not going to blow up the deal for the sake of only getting half your chips. And he's like, yes, absolutely, I am, and blew up the deal and, and organized that property sold through, through different people. So... I think just, again, just sticking to your posture was another awesome thing Robert Ranger did. So, very cool. Anyway, if we let ourselves get pushed around, we're going to run into some issues, right? Yeah, there's, there's some big issues that come. And we see this all the time when we're helping our, our coaching clients. One is you tend to tolerate poor behavior from your team. And what happens there is not only does that frustrate you, but the rest of your team loses a lot of respect for you as a leader. And so the whole vibe and the culture of the business actually starts to fall down. You find yourself rearranging your schedule to suit your clients. Yeah, uh, and, and often at your own detriment. We know that when you're busy, putting the schedule together is a bit of a mind bend to start with. But when you've got to shift it all around at late notice, there's so many knock-on effects and huge uh, costs to you as well, which is you know something you don't want to bear. Thirdly, you end up begging for work and begging for money. When people owe you money, you take the weak position. You feel like you know if you if you put the hard word on them, they're not going to pay you, and you can't bear the thought of that. Uh, so that's that's really important as well. You you just end up begging. You feel weak and you feel ashamed of the fact that everyone's pushing you around. We see this a lot. Like you actually, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, you, you kind of act weakly, so you get treated weakly, and then you feel weaker and you act weaker, and it it cycles itself down, which is uh which is a problem. And in the end, you get actually quite angry and resentful. You feel like a victim. Yeah. Trouble is, you're the victim by the way you've acted. Or your own doing, really. Yeah. You're, you're a victim of your own action or inaction yeah and you know you're there when you start using uh, phrases like there's nothing I can do my hands are tied I have to just do what I'm told that kind of stuff uh, well, the, you yeah, know they'll, there. they'll they'll pay me when they can yeah oh, I, know, I know they're good for it yeah yeah how many times <laughs> have we heard that 
Yeah. Well, on the other hand, uh, you know, if we can take the power back in a relationship, uh, we've got some huge upsides. There's some massive upsides, and I think learning to say no and is huge part of success in business. And and things happen like you'll get the respect of your team members because they'll see that you won't tolerate poor performance. You build a strong culture. Nobody likes a, a walkover. Yeah. Now, people don't respond to leaders who are walkovers. No, nah, imagine if William Wallace got up in front of his uh, his army of rebels and then uh, he ran off to meet the, you know, Longshanks and comes back from his little chat with Longshanks. He goes, hey, uh, guys, uh, you know, honestly, he gave me a bit of a hard word and I think we should just go home. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> awkward. It would be very awkward. Yeah, you wouldn't follow him again, would you? No, but this happens all the time in businesses and, and maybe you've experienced this as a business owner. You've tried to be nice, but it's actually blown up in your face. Yeah. If you take the power... You will end up getting better margins, and you'll be able to charge higher prices because you don't feel, you know, like a like a pussy basically who's not prepared to charge what you need to. You attract good clients because they respond to strength. Uh, you feel strong and actually in control of your business and your life, and this is a huge one. So it builds confidence in your ability to actually make things happen. Yeah, it's unbelievably important. Yeah, yeah, and you'll get what you want, and things don't just happen; they happen the way that you want them to, which is crucial. So yeah, we we can see. You know, we've coached thousands of people. We can see that the people who are more assertive and uh, don't get pushed around and, and actually know how to say no, they have better results in their business and in their life. Yeah, totally, totally. So important. And so how do we do this? I mean, I think the first thing is creating that posture that we talked well, about. Well, that's right. Power, it's, it's about power and this concept of positioning. And it's really hard to describe. I know we've racked our brains about how to sort of describe this many times. And uh, it's, it's a bit like the wind. It's hard to describe, but you can see and feel its effects. You can see the trees bending. You can feel the wind on your face. You know when, you've, you know when you're in a power situation. You know sort of just implicitly when, you, when you're wussing out. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows, and you probably can think of a position or a situation you've been in when you've done that. And every single relationship in life and business, personal life, whatever, there is power at play. Like, you know, boss and team, there's power going on there. Sometimes the boss has got the power. Often, unfortunately, the team has got the power. Well, fortunately and unfortunately, depending on the situation. Well, but yeah. I think I think the, the key is, is power can be different in every yeah. relationship. Parent-child relationship. Yeah, parent-child relationship, buyer-seller relationship. And who holds the power really depends on the situation and how you frame it, how you go about it, the thought process you have. And, um, you know, you think about a buyer-seller relationship. So uh, if the property market's really hot, who has the, who has the power? What's well, the seller? Because there's lots of buyers. The price get bid up, the, the seller can be really discerning, and they, they've got the power. But in a down market, who's got the power? The buyer has just not many not many buyers. The sellers really need to sell. They've been waiting a long time. Now the power switches around. So it yeah. does really change. And this feeds into lots of things. I mean, if you look at an employment market as well, I mean, there's times when you know jobs are pretty scarce. And so employers have the power, right? Because um, jobs are scarce. You should be so lucky to have a job right now. And there's other times when employment's at an unprecedented low. Unemployment, I mean. And so basically, there's jobs everywhere, and so employees have more power because it's easy to get a job. I can always go somewhere else. So power can switch even on the same topic, yeah. depending on the situation. That's right. And here's, here's the big thing. Power and who controls the situation is a massive issue for business owners, and most business owners think they can't control it. They think that's just the way it is. You know, that's just, well, I just have to take the price as it is, or I just have to wait till I get paid, or, you know, They'll give me work if they if they feel like it. Yep. Yeah. Insert situation here. That is not true. This is really important to understand. And we spend a lot of time working with our members, helping them take the power back in the situation to actually get a better result. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's real important. And I think here there's, you know, like I said, there's a few different types of power. So, you know, there's positional power. So, you know, obviously if I'm the boss and, uh, and I come into work, I'm the boss. I mean, just by nature of my role, uh, I have power. You know, it's, it's there. You know, if you're the, the captain of the sports team, you have some power. If you're the coach, you have some power. If you're the newbie who's on their first day, you have less power. It's just kind of, you know, positional. It depends on who you are and where you're at. There's personal power. So, again, that's when uh, somebody just holds a lot of, um, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, a lot of weight, really. They, they carry uh, weight. They have presence. They're a natural leader. And you'll know that, you know, you'll look at your own team or, you know, different situations, maybe your friend group. There'll be some people that just kind of have more sway. You know, and, and they have more kind of presence and weight yeah, within walk, that situation. They walk into a room and they have a presence. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's the, you know, that could be at work, it could be at home, friend groups, you know, sports teams, anywhere. And then the situational power, which is really about credibility on a topic. So, you know, for example, you know, I used to play a lot of rugby. If me and you were talking about rugby, I'm probably going to have a little bit more power in that discussion because I might know some stuff that you don't know. Uh, you know, on the other hand, if we're talking about investing, you've done a lot more investing than I have. So, you know, you're going to have more power on that topic and so you know situationally one person or another doesn't have more power than another and I think power gets bandied about as like quite a negative term um, you know there's all these kind of power hungry kind of phrases and you know power is not negative there's actually power going on in every interaction you have with another person and it's really about credibility and you know knowledge and weight on a topic or a situation and it needs to be there because without power and without there being a clear you know, sort of difference in power, people can't actually get an outcome or what they want out of that interaction. So basically, uh, it's not a bad thing. This has to be there. It's really important. The big thing, though, is that the person who holds more power in whatever situation is more likely to get what they need or want from that situation. So if there's something that you really need or want, you need to be able to take the power. You know, if you want to get paid, you need to be able to take the power in that discussion. If you want to hire somebody, you need to be in a position of more power than the person that you're employing, or otherwise you're probably going to get pushed around and yeah. hire somebody with yeah, terms you want, that you don't want. Yeah, you want them to work for you. That's right. And, uh, you know, if you're organising a date with a, you know, with Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. That's right. <laughs> um, look, if you want to go to Outback Steakhouse, you need to assert that, because otherwise, you, otherwise you're not going, all right? So, well, we know who holds the power, Phil, and uh, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, we'll yeah, go there. Yeah. Okay, then, anyway, my point is, is like, uh, you know, the person with more power on that situation is more likely to get what they want. And again, we're not suggesting you manipulate people. That's not what this is about. It's not manipulation, maybe a little bit, but you know, it's, it's not really about that. It's more about just, you know, not getting pushed around, getting what you want, because, you know, when you take that power, you know, things will go the way they need to, and you'll have a better business, a better life. Well, and if you don't learn how to take power, basically what ends up happening is you feel, you know, broken, bitter and bewildered. Yeah, that's right, which is no good. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people which, um, you know, feel powerless. And so, is that, you know, we've got some pretty good techniques to help you get the power back. So let's look at what you can do to take more power so that you don't get pushed around and you get what you need. Yeah, I think there's, there's nine things that you can do, practical things to help you put yourself in a position of power. Number one is to understand a position or legal power. So, you know, that, that, that's in situations in business where, look, if you've got good contracts, that makes a huge difference. You know, a lot of commercial work is a battle of the contracts. Yeah. And if your contract is, is really good and you've tagged out the right stuff and you've, you know, specified how many trips you're going to take to each job and that blows out, then you've got some actual legs to stand on yeah. to actually put forward the claims that you need to. And mm -hmm. if you don't have the right contracts, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, terms of trade are the same. Make sure you've got good terms of trade because that actually gives you some teeth, mm. some actual power 
to get some action happening. The chain of command, have a clear chain of command so everyone knows who reports to whom. That creates the right power situation. So position and legal power is something that everyone can do. Yeah, and on the legal thing, I just want to be very clear because you know we get a lot of people, they say, hey, but Phil, I can't do this because you know the person I'm working for or with, um, you know, they're a big swing in DICK and uh, basically they're able to tell me what to do. You know, this is a big company. I should be so lucky to work for them. So I can't use my terms of trade. You know, or, hey, I'm, I'm subcontracting for this other person and, you know, I really need the work. So I just have to do what I'm told. And it's like, no, that's actually not true. Like, you can always use your terms of trade. Um, it's just about, you know, maybe there's going to have to be some kind of compromise, you know, and maybe they'll have some very strict rules. And if those rules don't fit for you, then don't work with them. But also, like, it's fine for you to have some non negotiables and some terms as well. Because at the end of the day, you know, they wouldn't use you unless they needed you. So it's not like there's the power, you know, imbalance is, is a be-all and end-all. You need to be able to assert yourself and use your legal tools. There is actually no situation where you can't use them. It's really important people know that. Yeah, or at least to improve the situation you've That's got. That's it. You know, it, it might not be that you get your way on every single one of your terms, but there'll be some non-negotiable terms at, that you have. And honestly, like, you can't bend on those things or otherwise you're just going to end up in a crap situation. You are. You almost stole one of my one of the nine, which is the best, which I wanted to leave till last. So just yeah, but I love to get ahead of myself. You, you know, do anyway, let's go to number two. Number two, controlling the environment. Uh, this is huge. Environment does a lot for power. And, you know, early days when I was uh, you started this this business coaching lark, I used to to travel to people's offices or workshops to coach them there. Yeah, you're a bit of a simp though, you know. I was a simp then, and yeah. also. I would park my car around the corner so they couldn't <laughs> the see Hondale. it. It wasn't a Honda. It was a Ford oh. um, Ford Focus or something. It was oh, terrible. Oh, geez, so the Honda was an upgrade. For those oh. of you that uh, well, don't know listening, Tony had a uh, just an amazing Honda Accord, which we called the Honda. It was it was awesome. Yeah, long live the no, Honda. Yeah, I mean, on, now mate. he's got the SQ7, but like, that's not a bad upgrade. <laughs> it's not a bad upgrade. But but you know, then I was like, this is hopeless because I would just get mucked around and people would walk in. It was it was it was a nightmare. Uh, then I was like, okay, this is no good. Next, I met them at a cafe, better. Next, I met them at a hotel. They'd come into a hotel where I had, you know, basically I had sat there for two days a week and I'd get free coffees from the concierge all day. Yeah. Uh, then I got an office and now it's online. Yeah. Uh, so you get them into your space and your environment, uh, that's important because it, it changes the dynamic of the situation. Yeah. You wouldn't expect the heart surgeon to come and visit you at your home, would you? Well, they used to once upon a time, but nowadays, no, no way. way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so that's that's kind of that thing. Let's say you want to have a difficult conversation with a team member. Well, you know, you could do do it two ways. You could go and see them out in the field on their terms, on their turf, or you could say, "Hey, we need to chat. Can you come into the office at this time?" Yeah, step into my office. Step into my office. Completely different setup, so you control yeah. the environment. Hey, if you want to talk to some general contractors to get them on board, if you've got a polished, sharp showroom, that's going to say a lot. Yeah, uh, or a boardroom or, or a meeting room, room or yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, rather than maybe just meeting, uh, you know, on site. At or a Starbucks. At a Starbucks <laughs> or whatever uh, yeah. makes a big difference. So controlling the environment uh, makes a huge difference. Well, even right down to like, look, there's times when it's like you can't get someone to your office. But if you go, you know, to their premises, again, like don't have a conversation with a general contractor in the parking lot of their premises. Like, you know, make sure you get upstairs to their office for a private sit down in a nice chair, like... You know, like this has got to be a real meeting. Don't just try to have a fake ass meeting with me in the in the workshop. You know, it's like yeah. control the environment. Yeah, and that that sort of leads into number three, which is pre-framing the conversation. 
Now, pre-framing is unbelievably important because sometimes you can't control you know, the, the content of it, but you can control the process of a meeting. And when you control the process of a meeting, that gives you a lot of power. So basically what that is, it's setting the agenda when getting started so you actually control what's going to happen. Now, an example here might be a sales call and your sales script might have something like this. Hey, is it okay if I go through how we'll do things today? First, we'll talk about what you want to achieve. Second, we'll talk through any concerns you have. And third, we'll talk about budget. And once we have a good idea of what you want, what your concerns are and what your budget is, then I'll talk through a couple of solutions that could work. And if it makes sense, we'll put a quote or a bid together and you can sign that off and we'll book the job in. Are you okay with that? Now, you've taken total control of that interaction. You're basically got the puppet strings and you're, you're getting people to go through the hoops that you want to go through. Mm. And you can pre-frame any conversation yeah, uh, with a team member, you know, with a contractor, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, and so that means you're controlling the process. Yeah, I mean, and this is huge. Like, you can put this in any situation. Like, maybe you're calling somebody, you know, arranging uh, getting your bill paid, and you say, "Hey, great to have you today. Uh, look, I just wanted to go through a few things with you. Firstly, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about the job we've just finished. Um, after that, I just want to you know review our terms and conditions that you signed. After that, I want to talk about you know your outstanding bill, and then we can make a plan from there. Is that okay with you? It's like we know what we're doing now. Uh, you listen to me. My wife actually did this to me the other day. It was a Saturday morning. She gets up out of bed and she says, hey, Phil, um, just real quick before uh, we finish breakfast, today we're going to need to do X, Y, and Z, and after that we'll be able to do this with the kids. So, yeah, make sure you're doing that. And I'm thinking to myself, that I hadn't planned to play golf, but uh, been, I, I guess I'm cleaning the house yeah, now, aren't I? You've been, you've been I got pre- positioned, man. <laughs> you got pre-framed, buddy. Yeah, I did, I did. Um, but you know what? Like, What do you say to that? You're like, well, yeah, I mean, I... Sounds like a plan, and like I, look, I still got to play golf, but I had to do it after everything else, right? The thing about the preframe is not only are you controlling the process, but the power and the assertiveness and the confidence that comes from actually just telling people how it's going to run is massive, and that's half the better one right there. Well, that's it. It's not a question. It's a that, plan. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Number four, build credibility and authority. So credibility and authority are massive. Uh, we all defer to experts and people who are perceived to be excellent at what they do. Really simple way of building uh, positioning and power in your business is lots of social proof, lots of online reviews. So I'm, I'm talking about testimonials, case studies, have a, an amazing online presence. So have a really professional website, social media that's active and, and uh, is interesting. Lots of reviews, you know, 10 reviews are better than five, 50 are better than 10, 200 are better than 50. Case studies, all that sort of stuff will build credibility. Yeah, uh, and if you're going to meet someone about work, make sure you've sent them all the case studies beforehand. It's like, wow, yeah. this 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 is actually the real deal. This is super important because, um, you know, when building credibility and authority, the hard part is that the more you try to assert your credibility and authority by telling people about it, uh, the less of it you have. Um, whereas if other people say it, you know, if I say it, it's sales and it's it's all bluster. Whereas if someone else says it for me, it's true. Um, so it's really important that you can you know, get that credibility and authority through, yeah, social proof and like things like your online presence looking great um, because if I have to say it to you, it's probably not going to carry the same weight. Uh, there's a quote from a Drake song of all people that I really like, which is, uh, rich enough I don't have to tell him I'm rich, which obviously refers to money, but you know this really translates to a lot of things in life. It's like if I have to tell you I'm cool, I'm not cool. If I have to tell you I've got a great car, it's probably you know leased and it's probably crap. You know, it's, it's things like that. Your position, if I have to tell you I have a stronger position than you, um, then I don't. If I argued with a rocket scientist about rocket science, he'd just laugh and walk away. You know, they, they, he wouldn't start explaining himself. So if you want the credibility and authority, display it in every single way you can apart from saying it. 
I it's like it's really the important. classic, uh, you know, I'm a really honest person. As soon as someone exactly. says that, I'm like, you're not honest. Yeah. You know, honest is as honest does. That's it. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's massive. Number five is, uh, is pretty simple, just body language and personal power. There's a big difference between someone who slumps their shoulders and someone who stands up straight. Mm. Like it's, an, it's a difference of about an inch in your, you know, your sternum and your breastbone, but it's the whole complete difference in, in attitude and power. Being confident and funny. Like funny is really helpful. Standing up tall, firm handshake, eye contact, you know, smiling, not talking too much is a big a sign of power. Being able to be comfortable with silence. Uh, so if you are meeting lots of people, you know, it's it's important to actually present a confident image. Goes a long way to help build your power. Yep. Stand straight on, don't turn sideways, you know, stand up tall, firm handshake. Just don't look like a wet lettuce. It's really important. Eye contact. Um, and, and you know, I think, again, like, you know how you say be comfortable with silence? Also, be comfortable with not knowing stuff. Be confident with being wrong. If you say something wrong, say, ha, damn, got that one wrong. Confident people don't care that they were wrong because they know that they are credible. You know, they're not worried about that being shaken. Uh, they're confident with saying, you know what, I actually don't know about that. Let me uh, find out and get back to you. You know, whereas people that are not confident will, will bullshit. Tell stories. That's it. So, you know, be confident and, and display that. Number six is uh, is incredibly powerful, which is creating scarcity and urgency. Now, if there's not enough of something to go around or there's perceived shortage of something, people want it more. Or people think it's incredibly sort of smarmy and trite from a marketing perspective, but it just works. And it, it's things like, hey, you could tell people, hey, look, we're really busy over the next six weeks and we haven't got many slots left, but we do have a slot next Monday afternoon or next Wednesday. What would work best for you? Now, yeah. that may or may not be true, but you've created the the sense that there is some scarcity and demand for your services. Everyone's hopeless at choosing a time and making a decision. You give them an option and they're more likely to you know, to fit in with what's going to work with you. Well, the thing here, Tony, is it's it's actually not, like there's the scarcity and urgency, which really is important, but it's also the direction. You're directing them. And by creating scarcity and urgency, you're actually directing them to help them to make a decision and to help them to get something done. And as you say, people people hate having to direct themselves. Um, and so when you give somebody two choices, you create scarcity, urgency, you help them get out of their own way and you make a decision for them and actually you've just made their life easier by making things easier for you. So it's actually a win-win. Oh, so true. I mean, people are hopeless at making decisions. It's yeah. just... It's a, it's a real um, overhead for people, so we take it away, and that's that's a big win. Well, it's been studied. When you tell somebody, um, hey, when do you want to meet up, uh, the most likely response is no response because they'll say, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll have to find out. Let me get back to you. Let me check my calendar, and then it just doesn't happen. That's actually the most likely outcome, whereas if I say, hey, we can meet up. Do you want to catch up uh, for a coffee You know, Thursday after work or Friday after work? They'll be like, Friday. They just pick one, right? I don't know why you're meeting someone for coffee after work. You're probably not going to sleep. But anyway, I digress. What's number seven? We're up number to seven. seven, non-attachment to the outcome. This is very sort of Buddhist Zen philosophy. The power belongs to the person who cares least about the result. They have more power and they win the power battle. That's really about choice. The more sales appointments you have in the calendar, the less you're going to you know, worry about a particular opportunity. You know, if you have three or four people who are applying for a job, then you're more likely to choose a good person because you're not wedded to the one person and you're not just looking for what you want to find in them. Yeah. Uh, so non-attachment to the outcome is, is massive and it's incredibly important in sales. You know, the person who cares the most will end up basically begging, 
overselling, trying to impress, when uh, that doesn't work, that tends to repel people. Yeah. And so, and they'll hold on way too long and they'll give away way too many concessions to the point that it probably almost doesn't work for them. But just it, to get it's it like done. you said though, Tony, is you can't actually, it's really hard to have non-attachment to the outcome if you are attached to the outcome because you have no choices. So I think one of the biggest things you can do to build positioning or to build power and personal power is to create options for yourself. So, you know, if you are marketing and you're trying to get work, you'll always have less power if you've done less marketing because you have to take what you can get while you feel like you have to. The reality is you don't have to and you shouldn't because the more you keep your power, the more you'll win the work. But it's hard where it's way easier if you've actually done more of that legwork in advance, um, you actually feel like your position is stronger. It's easier to then make it true. Same with hiring, same with anything really. I mean, right down to you getting mucked around by a friend who always flakes on uh, hanging out. Well, if you've got more friends, then who cares? You just be like, that's fine, Tony. If, you, you know, if you're flaking out, that's cool. I'm going to hang out with, uh, with Damon. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes you have to go to the bottom of the barrel. Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Damon's actually sitting in the, in the office, office with us right now. So yeah. uh, he's laughing right now because I never invite him out for a beer. And well, uh, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Here's the thing on the choice. We find, you know, with margin problems, when people are, are not making the margins they need off their jobs, inevitably there's a marketing problem because they are holding on to low profit work that they feel like they have to do just to keep the team busy, to keep the cash coming in. Whereas if they actually went out there and marketed hard into a different niche, a profitable niche, they'd get more work and they would cut yep. the people who are low profit. And so. You know, that, that non-attachment is, and that choice is just absolutely critical. Yeah, and you have to have it all the time, but it's easier to have it if you've done the legwork to create the choice. So 100%. That's, that's it. What's number eight? Number eight is uh, focusing on the long term. So we, we get very caught up in what's happening in the short term, and we think about the short term impacts, but really if we think about the long term impacts, we often make a different decision, and it helps us get clear about what's actually important here. So a classic example is sticking with a poor employee. In the short term, we're like, well, we need them because we've got all these jobs to do. And if, if they're not here, how's that going to work? And I'm going to have to put jobs off and maybe I'm going to have to jump in and, and do some extra work. That's okay, but it's a big problem because it's not going to get better. It's going to create bad customer service and probably upset clients and, and damage your margin. Could actually pull things back. That's right. You think about the long term, which is like, hey, where do we want to be long term? Is this fit in with my long term plan? You know, If I get good team members, how's this going to look in the long term? So it, it switches our focus. Well, on top of that, Tony, you're actually less likely to take action on replacing that bad person if you've kept them because you'll be telling yourself stories like, oh, well, they'll just get me through this patch and then I'll do it. It's another patch. But then there's another patch and another patch and you end up hanging on to them for too long. My dad, when he farts, he uh, he always says, better an empty house than a bad tenant. Um, the thing is, it's actually quite hard to do, right? Because when you've got the empty house, you've got bills to pay that the tenant's not helping you cover. So I think the thing is, is you just have to understand that by keeping that bad tenant, they might trash the house and then I not just have the bills to pay, but I've got the repair bills and I still got to ax them and I still got to find a new tenant. So like actually at some point you do just have to uh, focus the, on the long term. The problem never gets easier. It always gets harder. That's right. So yeah. long story short, if you need a fart, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, what's out, number nine? Out then in. This is the Mac Daddy strategy for holding power is just remove yourself from the game. Don't play. Like say no. Yeah, it's just like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm have packing a, up my bat and ball yeah, and I'm going home. I'm going home. Yeah. And it's basically having a bottom line under which you're not prepared to go. That's the ultimate power. It's the takeaway power. Well, it's funny actually, um, buying this caravan that I was telling you about, you know, trying to haggle the price a little bit as you do. 
get down to a certain point and um, the lady selling it just goes, nah, look, I'm not going lower than that. And uh, I had told myself I wouldn't go higher than my price. This was higher than my price. So I walked away uh, until I realized I actually wanted the caravan a lot more and that I was willing to pay that price. And so actually I got positioned by her. But um, the reality is, is in getting positioned by her, I realized I wanted the caravan more than I thought and uh, I was actually willing to pay the price. And so, you know, she got what she wanted in her higher value, but I actually got what I wanted too. And so I think the thing is, is like, if nobody's willing to stick to what they actually want, then somebody ends up not getting what they want. And it's actually not a good, not a good time. So end of the day, we're both happy now. And um, I've got the caravan, she got the money and off we go. Yeah. Look, removing yourself from the game. She did that. She did that. What she that's, did that's the whole to thing. To get, get what she wants. Yeah. does take a bit of, uh, bit of stones, a bit of kahunas. But ironically, but when off. she did it, that actually made me want the caravan more. What And the, it's not that I didn't want it before, it's that I realised that I wanted it more. And I think that's the big thing. It's the same with your clients. Like, you know, when you stick to your guns and you stick to your price and you stick to your terms, it's funny, like, you think they might they might walk away from you. But when you walk away from them, half the time they'll chase after you. <laughs> and, then you and then you actually still both get what you want, only now it's a, it's a better situation. Yeah, massive. So let's land this plane. Let's do it. Turns out that as a business owner, we can create power in most situations when we didn't realise we could. And it's important to be assertive, to take the power back so that we can get more of what we need and want. And so you can create a fantastic business for you and your family. Thanks heaps for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. See you later. If you're serious about taking your service business to the next level, be sure to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Tradie and other valuable resources to help you on your journey. And don't forget to hit the follow button and stay up to date with our latest episodes. That's all for today, folks. We hope you found this episode of the Profitable Trading Podcast helpful and informative. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next one.